Welcome, listeners. I'm Justin Makarevich, Associate Director of Employer Relations at the Graduate Career Management Center of the Zicklin School of Business at Baruch College. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Good afternoon, listeners. I'm excited to uh, have our next episode, and we're going to be speaking specifically with Kapil Ketan. Uh, Kapil and I met a few uh, a few weeks ago now on campus at Baruch. Um, he had done had participated in an information session and interacted with some of our students. So I'm really excited about uh, about speaking specifically around um, around thinking a couple of steps ahead. Couple, thanks so much for making the time and um, and coming to speak with us and sharing your thoughts with uh, with our students and alums. My pleasure, Justin. It's uh, a great school. Enjoyed meeting the students at Baruch, and thank you for having me over. Absolutely. I know they yeah. they really enjoyed meeting you too. So before we get into the topic, couple, I know everybody here would love to hear a little bit about your background. So if you could just introduce yourself um, and uh, and take us through your career journey, we'd love to hear about that first. Sure, sure. Um, for the majority of my life, I've been working in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did my master's at Dartmouth College many moons ago. <laughs> and uh, that was at uh, in a program that included coursework in the engineering school, the business school, as well as the School of Information Sciences. And that's pretty much been my calling card throughout life. I've been sort of interested in the intersection of these spaces. Um, I have um, also for the past 15 years been teaching as an adjunct hmm. um, in evenings, um, teaching a course on quantitative techniques at NYU's SPS program. So while I carry a full-time job in the banking world, um, I have the privilege of working at Mizuho currently. That's through their auspices. I had a chance to meet you. I do want to clarify that whatever I express in this meeting, during this podcast, are, are my own views and not those of Mizuho. Absolutely. But with that background, not only within the baking industry, engineering, quant, um, and in those areas, but sounds like you've had a long time of, uh, of many years in your career working with students, which is, um, which is fantastic. It so, is. It is yeah. an absolute pleasure. I mean, there are a few things that have enriched my life as much as the opportunity to be with, uh, with younger minds, especially the kind that New York attracts, you know, a very, a very global uh, student body. Completely. I mean, that's what you see on the streets of New York and in, I guess, the classrooms of New York, too. Exactly. And so, yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, listeners, you can sort of imagine it and, um, and imagine sort of the this this sort of scene playing out. Um, it was an event on campus. Koppel uh, was, was there with some of his colleagues and a student raised uh, his hand and asked, the group, what skills and qualifications that the team was looking for um, in talent? And Koppel, you jumped in. You were the first one to to respond from the team. And the thing that you said, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. You can correct me if I'm wrong here. But the things that you you said, you you know, really respectfully, obviously responded. That student said, "We're going to be happy to share our thoughts with you." But how about this first? And you asked the student to share what he thought the skills and qualifications were that the team sought. And I remember when you said that, I was like, wow, this is great. And, and the, the student paused a little bit and was able to start 
start sort of listing out some skills and qualifications based off of what the presentation was. But, you know, couple, why did you do that? And, and what was sort of your, your thought process in, yeah. um, in that? Well, Justin, first, I am, I am honored and touched that you picked up on that conversation. There were so many conversations taking place for, for you to have picked up on how the mood changed at that instant. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. You know, it's sort of, as as you know, when I asked him what did he think were the skills that were valuable to an employer, I was really doing the Socratic method, right? Hmm, right. You can't really teach people. The best you can do is help them think. So I was really hoping that instead of giving him a fat answer, let's mm-hmm. hear what he has to say. And the beauty of that is that he might tell me something that I don't know, you know. So right. you always come out ahead, both on your personal side as well as the person who asked the question. They feel they feel better, you know. They're not just in a position of asking a question, but they can give an answer too, and so that kind of evens the playing field a bit. It's not uh, that unbalanced that we are the ones with all the answers and the jobs. So I kind of like to let the students feel a little more comfortable. So it's I like that. A win for the student, it's a win for the person asking the question because. We are not glib in this in in thinking that we have all the answers, right? And and to to that question, you know, when I asked him, "What do you think are the skills we need?" and his answer was, um, "Well, probably having a CPA." And um, well, the truth is that there's a lot more than being a CPA. And after all, we came to Baruch at the Masters of Finance and Data Analytics. Clearly, not a CPA thing. So, you know, if he I just paused a little bit and thought about what we were looking for. Maybe he would have been better off asking, um, well, you've come to Baruch and you know that we do a program in data analytics. What is it about us that attracted you to come to Baruch, right? So he could have done that right back to me. And to me, that is a home run because now you are finding out from us more than just usual answers. And and frankly, if it was CPA as you assumed, how could you change yourself into now being a CPA when you're clearly doing a master's in that? So it's just pausing a little bit, thinking about it, and and kind of asking a second level question. So I assume that you look for CPAs, but what other skills do you need? That would be a great answer because now you've already got me thinking beyond, you know, the, uh, the first level, which is, it helps me understand what students think about the kind of roles that we are looking at. Yeah, um, and and for those listening, and and if you are uh, as a congratulate student, so you know, the, the student definitely asked this question, and we've since then also launched a um, a, a video webinar on uh, on information sessions and, and ways in which also asking sort of questions. So if you have a chance, go into handshake and make sure to watch that video as well. Couple, but I want to go off of what you were mentioning too, right? So had the question been framed around, I'm assuming you look for individuals with a CPA, but what in addition to uh, to those skills might you be looking for? I think that's that's really interesting of, of sort of thinking a couple of steps ahead. So, you know, in your work as a manager, whether now or in the past, 
what is this type of thinking of individuals on your team? What what does this signal for you? And what's the what's the benefit it brings to to your teams? So I think um, regarding asking the question itself, I'd like to you know make sure that we we bring up the point that asking a question is a great thing. Absolutely, amongst the few that ask the question, you know. And uh, you know the classic story about Picasso at IBM, right? From uh-uh. the 60s. Apparently, uh, the story goes at least that Picasso was shown all these great computers, and the scientists were expecting him to be to be wowed. And he seemed a little blasé about the whole thing. And they said, "Well, what are you thinking?" And he says, "Well, computers are great, but they can only give you answers." And I thought that was pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The best people, and now I'm directly answering your question. I think the best people are those that ask, you know, pertinent questions respectfully. And, uh, of course, you've got to do what you're told, but you've also got to do beyond what you're told. So right. You ask questions in that respect. I'm hearing also just sort of a little bit of introspection on questions that somebody might have, right? So in questions becoming very... Um, uh, very reactive, like, like, oh, this is a question. Maybe I just need to ask it. But pausing and maybe being introspective and thinking, oh, wait a second, could I, could I think about this question a little bit more? What is the question asking? What maybe I, maybe I can find it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so kudos to asking the question. Agreed. But even more kudos to pausing a little bit, thinking about the assumptions you have, seeing if it fits, and then. Asking second level question. I assume that this is the usual answer, but what do you think? You know, so then you are already putting your cards on the table face up. You, you help me see how you're thinking and then you help me, you know, uh, reach a little bit deeper into the question you've asked. So, uh, you know, it's all good. If you ask questions, that's great. But if you do a deeper question, that gets you a lot more marks in life. And I think that role in a person's Success both as a career as well as personally. I agree. Yeah, career or personally. That's a really good point. Kapil, when did you find yourself starting to do this in in your career or just sort of in life in general? Maybe there wasn't a date or specific, but sort of like an – was there a pivotal moment that you you found yourself starting to do this yourself? (laughs) Well, it's hard. I am – an older person, so there's a lot of history that I'll have to <laughs> think about <laughs> to go through to think what made me. Well, I mean, you know, um, literature is great. I mean, Socrates, yeah. reading literature, huge fan of that. So while I teach STEM and everybody's banging the drum about STEM, I, I, I still have a lot of respect for the arts and literature, and it's, because that's all that I really know a little bit about. So, um, when you read literature, you tend to come up with thoughts like this. And I think it's very important to have a sort of right brain thought also, and not just a left brain, you know, stand for this thing. For sure. So I guess it sort of happened whenever I got deeper into literature, which was probably in 10th grade or something like that. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's that was, great. That was not a couple of years ago. A lot more. <laughs> I mean, oftentimes I think when people think of STEM, you brought it up just now, right? And, and you know, where it can almost just be very um, action-oriented, driven, methodical. It's, you know, A plus B equals this, yeah. right? So 
working with those individuals and, and even teaching individuals within STEM, how do you encourage your teams or your students to, to think differently this way? Well, I think this is, um, this is the ultimate satisfaction. If you can help them see the why and not just the how, right? I mean, yes, I teach them regression and linear programming and optimization simulation. Yeah. But if you can help them think about why are we doing this? Does this even make sense? You know, that sort of thinking, uh, that's the holy grail because no one's going to care about particular coursework, your ability to think about the purpose that you're serving, I think that's um, that's a huge win for education, wherever it is, whether it's at the bachelor's, master's, Because ultimately, like the, the purpose that you're serving for, whether you're a student or anybody in life, it's ultimately sort of like, what's what's your role in making change? And I think that, at least what I'm hearing, but I think also even personally, if if you don't feel like you have a role in making some sort of impact or change, then then that's not that's not great, right? I think that's really important for individuals well, to know where that is. That's an important point that you're bringing up, Justin, about people feeling, you know, I mean, of course, people like to go into work because they earn a little bit and they also learn a little bit. I mean, these are the usual answers. But yeah. I think the point that you bring up about a sense of belonging or a sense of being empowered to think that, yes, what I'm doing is useful, right? that's that's important. Yeah. And I think that as a manager, one one fails if one doesn't have the team feel inspired. You know, right. to feel that, look, what I'm doing is helping move the ball another few yards. Yeah. And it actually, you bringing up empowered reminds me of this student, right, with a question. And, um, um, you know, I think sometimes potentially with students, right, that they may not feel empowered to say, I'm assuming in, in a question, I'm assuming that you're looking for X, Y, and Z. Is that right? Or is there something else? And framing that that thought process a little bit differently really puts you in an empowered position that I think students can 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 should be able to feel right so that there isn't this hierarchical exchange with hey you manager tell me what it is that I should be you know that I should know I I agree Justin the students should feel that you know the employer or the speaker has all the answers you know sometimes the synthesis that is created when the student states her assumptions and thinking, and then draws out an answer from the speaker, might lead to a different answer from the speaker than what was originally going to, going to come out of the speaker's mouth. Totally. Yeah, so I, I don't, you know, I, I, I definitely think that uh, there's no reason to feel that the, that the playing field is, is completely skewed. Right, right, or exactly. <laughs> Any other couple? Any other thoughts um, on thinking a couple of steps ahead? You know, one of the things I, I you know, I, I think also, not that I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a student in this process myself, uh, both career and life, but thinking that couple of steps ahead, I find, 
encourages curiosity. I think it encourages innovation. Um, you know, there's so many things in a thought process that, you know, that just reacting to one specific thing, asking a question instead of being pensive about it and, and, and thinking about it, you know, loses that opportunity to, to, to be, to, to experience other things. Any other thoughts on, on your end? Solid, solid question, Justin. You know, just, just as you were speaking, I didn't, it reminded me of a period in my life in the 1990s uh-huh. when uh, it was, I think, Unisys that came up with the idea of customerizing it. So you're not just serving the customer, but think about the customer's customer. What uh-huh. is it that the customer is trying to do with what you give them, right? Yeah. And if you start thinking about that, oh, you make the customer really happy. Because you're already thinking about what are they going to do with that product or information, etc. So it was a term that uh, they came up with in the 90s during a short-run advertising campaign. And I love the idea. Totally. Advertising is when you're thinking about how is what you do going to help the person help the person that they're going to help. And I think you can you can stop with that level. And even with <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. Because at some point, I guess you've got to stop in one way. <laughs> I know. But if you take it one more level, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I totally agree with you that in that. I mean, it probably also in that end result, like makes you empathetic to your customer's experience with their customer. <laughs> and exactly. The customer doesn't care how much you know. What yeah. they really want to know is how much you care. Yeah. And if you phrase it in terms of what are you going to do with it? How can we package it in a way you're already thinking about things that, that he has to think about? And that's, and that's golden. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Gabo, any, any, anything that we haven't covered maybe that we, uh, that, yeah, that you wanted to, to share with listeners at all? Huh. If I may, Please. Of, uh, there's this one, one, one poem that I include in my classes at some point during the semester. I love it. And uh, this is a poem run, uh, written by Thomas Gray in uh, 1740s. He spent about 20 years writing this poem. <laughs> and uh, I just copy two of the quatrains from this poem. There are 32 of the quatrains. And it goes like this. Uh, Let not ambition mock the useful toil. Uh, I should, I should uh, back up. The name of the poem is Elegy in a Country Churchyard. Okay. The poet is sitting on a hill and watching the country churchyard and the farmers coming back from work. And it goes like this. Let not ambition mock the useful toil, the homely joys and destiny obscure. No grandeur here with a disdainful smile, the short and simple annals of the poor. Full of many a gem of purest ray serene, the dark unfathomed caves of ocean bear. Full many a flower is born to blush, to blush unseen and waste its sweetness on the desert air. The reason why I bring it up is that, you know, most students in New York are, are you know, probably well-to-do and have great uh, opportunities and support to be able to come and study here. So I make it a point for them to think that those that have been left behind, they could be just as great and just as smart. Hmm. Always keep that humility and think about what you could learn from them 
regardless of how humble and simple they are. So the, you know, the uh, gems that are lost in unfathomed caves of ocean, etc. I love that. I, I'm, I'm taking from that. Everybody also, you know, everybody, no matter what, has a has a role and an impact, um, and that's that's incredibly important. That poem speaks to it too. I, I'm really coming um, away from this conversation. You know, we talked about to thinking a couple of steps ahead um, in general, um, but this quote of uh, from you, uh, it could be yours. I mean, I, you know, it could be somebody else's, but you mentioning seeing the why and and not just the how really is 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 so powerful. I really think that we're coming away if people actually come away with a little bit of that and seeing the 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 why in which what they're doing or what's happening and not 100%. just not just the and, how. And uh, the why and the how is something that Peter Drucker, the management writer brought up, the person who essentially brought up the whole idea of management as a science, that's mm-hmm. something that he brings up. So um, I am merely standing on his uh, shoulders, <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> but you've incorporated into it. This is wonderful. Kapo, I want to say a huge thank you for the time, for the conversation, and and for your support of, of, of Berg students and students just in general. Um, it's been It's such a pleasure having gotten to know you and getting to know you more and having this conversation. Truly appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much, Justin. Absolutely. And we hope you ha- to have you back on another topic, too. You're back. You're back. All right. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks, listeners, for tuning into the GCMC podcast, where we look to get off-the-record thoughts and perspectives from individuals who have been hiring managers and in hiring positions in their careers. The GCMC is here for Zicklin MBA and MS students and alumni for their careers wherever they are, so be sure to stay in touch with us.